Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. So as you know, Ryan, I live in the UK and the US, and I flip my time between the two, so I have the joys of uh, having two mobile phone companies. And because the- one source of pain in your life is not near <laughs> that you are you've hit the nail on the head there mate um, i must tell you you absolutely hit the nail on the head so this particular source of pain which i shall call o2 in england um uh, i've been with them ever since they were cell net so this is something like 25 years or something ridiculous um but what they don't know is i'm just about to leave them um and the interesting question is i clearly um, i'm not going to be the you know the only person leaving them so how do customers, how do people avoid customer defection is the topic for today. Um, how do we, how can organizations start, start to tell that um, someone's just about to leave and then um, uh, and then put plans in place to hopefully make sure that they don't. Here's the proviso though, don't tell O2 that I'm going. I don't know, Colin. I feel like this is breaking news. Now. <laughs> I tell you what, with CNN and their breaking news, breaking news, rabbit hops in garden. You know, you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. So why why are you leaving? What are why they am I leaving? Um, I, to be honest with you, I think it's just um, so. O2 used to be. Uh, O2 used to be uh, Cellnet back in the day, uh, which was part of British Telecom, which I was employed by. Uh, mm-hmm. So there was a certain amount of um, a certain amount of um, an affection there, which tribal I guess, loyalty, correct, which th- which they've lost over the years. Second thing they've lost is they just they just lost their way. They used to be known back in the day for a good customer experience, but mm-hmm. you know, and they're far from that now. Um, um, so those are the two main reasons. I won't bore you with the other 97. Why so was it was it primarily um, them doing something wrong, or primarily somebody else being more attractive, or, uh, or a combination of both? I think the problem is America. <laughs> Isn't it usually <laughs> uh, typical? It yeah. <laughs> so why is it America? Because. America, the actually the the signal in the states is actually a lot better than it is in the UK. So when I land in England from America, I go, okay, I'm now going back to the past, mm-hmm. uh, where I land at Heathrow Airport, and I have to say this hasn't happened in the last year, but I used to land in Heathrow Airport and get GPRS, where I was um, having LTE, i.e., sort of the Right above 4G in um, in the US, uh, so part of it is just me going. Uh, it's just like coming back into the 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 the, the 1990s, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a mixture of all those all those things. So if if O2 brought you in and said, okay, Ryan, tell me how we can make sure this doesn't occur again, what would you what would you say? So um, the reason that I asked uh, kind of my clarifying question around your experience is that from my perspective, the reason that a lot of these firms um, don't get customer defection right or aren't able to diagnose it properly 
two big reasons, uh, both of which we'll talk about in this podcast. But one of them is that they they don't do their their segmentation right around trying to understand what are the different reasons why people are are using that product or service. So you know, here we've got you know Colin it, Colin's example. He he is dissatisfied. Because of the reference point that he's got, he actually knows that there's better service out there that's possible. That's a very different source of dissatisfaction from somebody who's who thinks that their bill is too high. Um, if O2 were to come to you and say, "Hey, we have some idea that maybe you're not happy. Why don't we lower your bill by, you know, 20 pounds a month or something?" Nobody's going to complain about that, right? I mean, nobody's going to complain about less money, but they haven't actually addressed the problem. That you have. So, if, if a company were to come to me and say, "Hey, we're really worried about defections," my first question would be kind of the most basic question in marketing or in business, which is, you know, how well do you understand your customers and what's motivating their their behavior? Yeah. Are they all one group? Are they all motivated by the same thing, or are you dealing with multiple different groups of people who are motivated by different things? Yeah, the interesting thing is that, and, and whether it's just uh, because I'm in this field, I, I I see through these things. But the interesting thing is because we signed a two-year contract, guess what they started to do after about 20 yeah. months? Yeah. <laughs> they started writing sudden. saying, hey, wouldn't could, maybe we can lower your bill and, yep. you know, why don't we sign you up for a new one? And I'm thinking, yeah, I know what you're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> Now, whether it's because I'm just particularly cynical, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, we we had the same experience. Um, we had an iPhone back when uh, they were only available through AT&T. And then um, within a couple of months of the iPhone opening up to all providers, AT&T was kind enough to uh, send us a, a microcell in the mail, which is a device that you hook up to your Wi-Fi that enables you to use your cell phone through your home Wi-Fi. Um, out of the kindness of their hearts, I'm sure. You know, they, sure. Uh, they just did this Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it was in that case, it was a well-timed gift because that that was the only reason we stuck with them, rather yeah. than than switching during that period. Yeah. Let me turn the question around to you, Colin. So, what if sure. a company came to you and said, "We're worried about customer defection. What do we do? Kind of, what are your your high line bits of advice?" Yeah. So, I think that there are two things that I would say. Um, the the first being that um, they don't look at organizations don't look at customer habits and this is where I think it ties into your segmentation piece uh, and this is where I tie, think it ties into the whole um, uh, behavioral economics piece um, so they don't really look at or understand the customers habits and this goes back to a story that was if, if people haven't read this book it's a really good book to read called the power of habit um, oh, I forget the guy's name that wrote it now. Charles Duhigg. Uh, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I thought that was some type of strange sneeze that you were having then, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, very good book. And one of the things that he talked about uh, in the book was that they did this. Um, uh, they worked out the fact Target worked out the fact um, who a grocery store in the state worked out the fact that they could start to tell when a female was becoming when would or was pregnant by the the way that the they shopped so collecting the data through the loyalty points you could start to see that the the, the behavior was changing basically um uh, so much so the story goes 
that um, uh, that a, uh, and therefore what they were then doing was obviously targeting um, uh, targeting um, uh, the women with um, coupons and vouchers and stuff like that. Um, anyway, long and short of it is that um, uh, one particular um, woman, her father went into the store and started to complain because she was being sent these um, uh, coupons for uh, diapers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and he was told that she wasn't pregnant, uh, but it turns out she was. So <laughs> it's just that the daughter hadn't told her father. Um, so anyway, um, long and short of it is I don't, you know, that's a classic example of understanding patterns of behavior, understanding patterns of, you know, how I'm I'm going to buy these certain things. Uh, and now my my pattern has changed. And therefore, clearly, the key question is, why has it changed? Um, and the danger is that, uh, you know, that could be the inflection point of customers, you know, going, I'm going to defect or leading up to that decision. Um, so that would be the first one. Any any thoughts on that 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 part of it, the the habit part of it? So I mean, I think that that's a a great insight, and I I think if we haven't already, I think we'll we'll definitely do a full podcast episode on habits because it's an important topic. Um, but I I want to distinguish your insight there from what I said because I think that they're both important, and you're right that they do butt up against each other. But there's two big ideas here that I hope people are getting. One is that people are different and want different things. And so if you don't understand what people want, you're never going to serve them well. You're never going to get them to not defect if you don't know why they're with you in the first place. The point that you just raised, which is a really good one also, is that that defections don't tend to just happen out of the blue with no warning. There's this whole system of behaviors that go along with them. And so – if the only thing you're measuring is defection, you're, it's kind of too late. Like there's, uh, well, I don't want to say it's too late. There were earlier opportunities usually, right? For yeah. most for most customer experience providers, um, there are ways that you can, you know, see not just a single pattern or a single purchase, but a whole kind of network of behaviors that people are engaged in that that a lot of times you have some access to. And so, can you? look at them from from the pattern of behaviors instead of from just one single uh, deferral. Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. I used to fly Virgin Atlantic and uh, because I was going back and forth across the pond all the time, I was gold on Virgin Atlantic, so the highest of the high. Uh, and then uh, we opened up an office uh, in the States. This was going back a number of years. Um, and because of the location, uh, we started to, I started to fly with Delta, okay, uh, because it was just um, um, makes logistical sense. The interesting thing for me was, I never ever got contacted by Virgin to ask why I wasn't flying as much uh, or, you know, what was the reason for the change. It was just like I disappeared off the radar and, uh, excuse the pun, um, and um, <laughs> nobody, um, uh, you know, n nobody really cared. And for um, we all know that, you know, business travelers uh, at that type of level, gold level, uh, are, are very 
profitable for an organization mm. so um you know it was that was surprising which, which tied into the second part for me which is there's no one they people don't seem to look at data very much so i would have thought that they could have set some form of alert to say you know colin used to fly this many trips he's now flying z many trips there's an alert here that either it's just an email that comes to me or flagged somewhere i don't know so nobody seems to think about uh data very much uh, mm. and setting up those keys now whether that's just being simplistic because you know it's just legacy systems and they can't do it i don't i don't know but it's just a it's it seems to be i'll tell you what it seems to be right it seems to be more of a willingness to fill the bucket with new customers rather yep. than pay attention to existing customers does that make sense oh yeah no in fact that they're i hope this isn't a movement but i'm i'm familiar with a company it's kind of a, a large fortune 100 company um and there is a a consultant that they had worked with that that told them explicitly um don't bother with loyalty it's it's not worth it uh, it's just about getting people into the funnel and then you just get more people into the funnel and and to me, it was shocking that somebody was out there selling that uh, as advice because um, it seems to fly in the face of a whole lot of accumulated wisdom and and quite a bit of science that um, there is actually quite a bit of money to be made in loyalty um, as sure. opposed to just continuing to try to get people into the top. But no, I think you're right. I think there's a tremendous focus on the new, getting more people in, um, getting them into the top of that funnel. Yeah, I mean, we we we've we've actually just had a um, uh, a client that's contacted us and said that they they're a sort of small software company, about a hundred customers. Um, they've got very much a a sales orientation, mm-hmm. um, and, and they've just started to realise that a number of their customers are leaving. Um, and obviously, if you've only got a hundred customers. It doesn't yeah. take much to suddenly <laughs> lose a lot, basically. And this is a B2B, B2B customer. Um, but, uh, but I guess it's that, uh, uh, and, and the, the biggest takeaway for me with this is you, you've got to be proactive, not reactive. You, you, you shouldn't be waiting until you, you know, you've got 100 customers and 30 of them have left before you do something Um, you should be being proactive in keeping those those customers does that make sense yeah that sounds like the best advice you could give somebody in terms of halting defections or or, um, if you know if you're looking at it from this stopping people from leaving standpoint you're really behind the ball Um, you know it it's it should be more about engendering loyalty than stopping defections um sure because uh, if we can if we can generate positive customer experiences on the front end then then we're not in this place where we need to be you know throwing money at them and and extra effort and, and really scrambling to get them to stop leaving because they're on their way out the door yeah no and and going back to the top the, the what we talked about at the top mobile phone companies i mean that's just a classic example Whereas in the first few years, and this is what classically happens, yeah. is in the first few years of any organization like that, they just can't keep up with demand. So mm-hmm. the fact that the bucket has got a great big hole at the bottom and people are churning out is an irrelevance because they can yep. achieve their numbers by 
by um, you know just um, uh, acquisition. Uh, but it's as soon as the market equals out and there is saturation, that's when people start to go, oh, we seem to be losing 10, 15% of our customers. Wouldn't it be a good idea if we didn't? Um, uh, so the the other part that I wanted to get your thoughts on was, um, so this going back to this hat, uh, this um, pattern part, okay? Yeah. So I was thinking of, you know, well, if a customer starts complaining more than they did, you know, that would be a sign that they're going to defect. If a customer suddenly contacts the, the help center or contact center 10 times in a two-week period, you know, that could be an indicator. So I guess it's the development of those types of indicators that that are important. Is there any way that you would, if you were doing some research on, you know, what are the indicators of customer defection? Uh, and I know I'm springing this on you. Um, it, it, how would you how would you go about that? Is there any particular way that you would say, you know, you need to uh, do it this way to identify um, those points of defection? I mean, it, so much of that's going to depend on the specific industry you're in. You know, if, if right. you're if you're in an industry where, you know, I don't know, like a, a financial services, credit card or insurance or something where, you know, there there tend to be multiple touch points with any given customer. Um, you know, we're at we're at a point technologically where you may be able to track those things down to the individual customer and, and be able to provide um, your employees with up to the minute tracking and, and um, you know, information so that they can know, oh, this person's on a uh, kind of a dangerous path. Is there anything we can do? Um, if you're not in an industry where that kind of thing is feasible or if you, you know, are running on such margins that you don't have a lot of money to spend on that kind of stuff. Um, you can still get pretty good insights by looking at aggregate level data. So even if you don't know, oh, this particular customer has complained three times in the last three months, across all of your customers, are you seeing upticks in complaints? And, and more specifically than that, complaints of a specific kind. Um, or, you know, can you look at your data and see, oh, you know, customers with this behavioral profile tend to be especially likely to defect. All right, well, can we develop some intervention for, you know, this segment of customers who's valuable and likely to leave? Why not let Colin and Ryan speak at your next conference? As you can hear, they're great communicators and can get over a message in a simple, inspiring, and humorous way. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. The other part, that, and, and I know our listeners will will um, will recall this, it's it's the hidden behaviours that are interesting, yeah. or the hidden things. So a customer may tell you um, why you go, you know, why you why you're leaving. Well, if we go back to O2, it's it's coverage, it's you know the, those things. But I guess the really interesting bit is is that the real reason? Right. So uh, and sometimes customers don't know themselves as we've as we've talked about uh, in the past so it's understanding those hidden things that becomes key yeah i mean it uh so that the other big idea that i wanted to, to kind of push through and we've already touched on this a couple of times but you know back to your question about data i think part of the reason um that firms are not as up on this as they could be is they're not they're not always clear on what they're measuring so 
there are several ideas that are psychologically very different that in terms of just just top line behavior look similar in your data set. So inertia, loyalty, and habits all look exactly the same based on buyer behavior. Um, so if you look at just frequency of purchase or amount of purchase, something like that, whether somebody's purchasing just through inertia, which is this idea that they um, uh, switching, they don't like switching, they just are going to continue to do it. Uh, whether they're purchasing through habit, which is actually a, a more automatic process than inertia, it's um, it's almost uh, kind of uh, mindless. Or, or going back to some of our previous discussions, it's a system one process. Uh, you're responding to an environmental cue when you activate a habit. Um, yep. Or loyalty, which is more of a system two, more of um, kind of this relationship orientation. Sure. All three of those people are going to buy from you regularly. Um, but uh, they're going to be buying for different reasons, essentially. And and so you need better data. You need um, to be asking different types of questions than just looking at headline purchase. You know, use what you've got. At least look at the behavioral purchase data if that's what you've got. But yeah. If you really want to tackle this, you know, develop a theory, get in there and figure out why people are doing what they're doing. Yeah. And the only thing I'd add to that is um, is come at it with a mindset of a customers have emotions and B, there's all this behavioral economic stuff that we've, we've, we're talking about. Uh, so don't just come at it from a rational perspective of right. going. Uh, it's about price or it's about location or it's, you know, whatever it is, um, because that may be some of the factors, but I lay you money. There's, there's a load of hidden factors. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, I guess my, my sort of takeaway from all of that is, um, I, you know, and exactly what Ryan just said, don't take customers for granted, um, and be proactive, you know, look at the data, uh, look at what's happening, look at, um, how customers are behaving and be proactive. Don't, be the virgin Atlantics of, you know, suddenly your customer's gone and you haven't got a clue why they've gone or, or anything like that. Any other last thoughts from you, Ryan? Um, I'll, I'll close with um, a, a study that McKinsey did. McKinsey, the consulting agency, um, it was published in um, their magazine, McKinsey Quarterly, back in 2002. And they did a, an interesting study on loyalty where they found that um, they did this in a couple of different industries, and pretty consistently, what they found is uh, in industries where there was low churn, so so only you know three to five percent were closing out. Actually, one of the industries they studied was airlines, and so they found that there were only about three to five percent of customers who just stopped using the airline altogether. Um, and so these these industries look like they are high loyalty industries, and and that they don't have a lot of defection. But what they found when they dug deeper in the data was there were these huge hidden groups of customers who were right. increasing or decreasing their usage without actually defecting altogether. Um, and the right. reason it was invisible is because for it just so happened that, that in these various industries, by and large, they tended to offset. So, you know, about 25% would increase, but another 25% would decrease their usage. Um, so this would be like, Colin, not use, stopping using Virgin Atlantic altogether, but only now flying occasionally. And sure. so if you have a system that's set up just to detect defection, that person wouldn't get defected because they haven't defected. They're still using. And so sure. the, their point was, um, and I thought it was a great one, when we look at defection, when we look at loyalty, you know, are we thinking about this broadly enough? Um, stopping those 3 to 5% who are defecting altogether might be worth the effort. But gosh, if you could get that 25% who is 
still with you, but decreasing their usage to go back up to their previous levels. You know, there yeah. might be massive upside there. And clearly, you know, that group doesn't at least hate you, right? <laughs> Maybe you're sure. in a better position to influence them because of where they're at. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think the defection goes over a period of time rather than it's yeah. a sudden thing. Um, yep. Yeah, good. Okay, well, thanks very much for um, uh, everybody listening today. Uh, if you want to go to our website and get monthly updates on the podcast and listen to the podcasts that you haven't um, uh, managed to listen to, then uh, just go to our website, beyondphilosophy.com, um, and you'll see the links. So thanks a lot and look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, everybody. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.